Hi there, and welcome to the Nerds of Business podcast. My name's Darren Moffat. I'm a director at WebBuzz, the growth marketing agency, and I'm your host. It's great to have you with us for episode eight of the branding series. If you're new to this podcast, our vision is to make entrepreneurs happier by solving the key challenges that all businesses must overcome one problem at a time. Today's topic is B2B or business to business branding. Now, before we get started, if you're running a B2C venture, business to consumer, you might be tempted to skip this episode. But I'd recommend you stick around because there are some valuable tips for all business owners in much of what you're about to hear. Those companies who sell mostly or exclusively to other businesses instead of consumers still have all of the same challenges we've covered so far in this series. They need a good brand identity, they need effective brand positioning, and to grow sustainably, they need to foster brand awareness and loyalty amongst their customers. But there are some crucial differences with B2B branding. When putting this episode together, I must admit I found it difficult to find a B2B case study that would resonate with both the B2C entrepreneurs in our audience and also our international listeners. And then I had a kind of a light bulb moment. I remembered that countries themselves are B2B brand marketers. You may not be aware of this, but there is competition amongst federal governments around the world for the capital investment of multinational companies. So our opening story today looks at how a tiny but much-loved country outmaneuvered bigger nations to get a slice of the international corporate investment dollar. The country of Ireland has a population of just 4.9 million. As a small open economy within the Eurozone, its citizens depend on foreign investment for continued economic growth. Over the years, Ireland has had some big wins. In 2008, its favourable tax laws famously attracted the attention of the social networking giant Facebook, who established their international corporate HQ in the capital of Dublin. But by 2016, a huge opportunity has emerged. Its neighbour, Great Britain, has voted to leave the EU in the famous Brexit referendum. This will leave Ireland as the only English-speaking member of the European Union. To capitalise on this, they launched the Ireland Right Place, Right Time campaign. Its goals are to position Ireland as investment-friendly to foreign companies and to raise awareness of locating their corporation in Ireland, such as tax breaks and a highly educated workforce. The government agency tasked with managing the campaign IDA Island choose LinkedIn as their main marketing channel to foster engagement with their audience and convert users into leads. They use a mix of sponsored content, dynamic ads and native lead generation forms. Their efforts yield incredible results. By the end of 2018, IDA Island see a 25% increase in social media engagement. Their top of funnel reach extends to over 800,000 prospects. The campaign ultimately leads to 237 foreign investment decisions and to the creation of more than 20,000 new jobs for the Irish economy, many 
presumably at the expense of their Brexit-loving neighbours. The IDA Island campaign is a great example of a B2B marketing campaign that achieved its objective by getting the basics of branding right. But it's also a demonstration of how B2B branding is a bit different from B2C. The fact that it was carried out almost exclusively on a business social networking platform is a good example of this. If your company sells to other businesses, LinkedIn will probably feature heavily in your channel strategy too. But when it comes to B2B brand strategy, what are the main differences you need to consider? And what tactics can you use to really connect in a meaningful way with your target customers? I love data. I I love kind of looking through the data. You need to have systems. You need to have structure. You're going to get chopped to pieces. Enthusiasm is unstoppable. We kind of hit a point where we were like, we need another lever. Surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and richer than you. (laughs) This is Nerds of Business. So the problem we're trying to solve and the title of today's episode is B2B Branding. How is it different and what can you do to be number one in your market? We've got some great guests with some amazing true stories and real life case studies. In particular, listen out for our regular segment, Nerd Under Pressure. This week's nerd is from a $1 billion tech unicorn. He shares perhaps the most powerful LinkedIn marketing hack I've ever heard. We've tried it ourselves here at WebBuzz and I can tell you it is absolute killer. So stick around for that. But first, here's just a quick reminder that if you're enjoying Nerds of Business, to please hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. It means you'll automatically receive each new episode every fortnight, and it makes it easier for us to stay in touch. Now, to begin a conversation about B2B branding, I think the logical place to start is with an exploration of how it's different from B2C marketing. So to kick us off, I spoke with Rachel Bevins from The Healthy Brand Company. She's one of our two branding experts for this series, and she's consulted to some of the biggest brands in the world. The interesting thing, which I love, is I I started in consumer 25 years ago, and then about 10 years ago, when I started working on agency side, I worked in quite a lot in the B2B, the business-to-business side. Mm -hmm. And I brought in a lot of those consumer aspects, so emotional connection in particular, to the B2B side when I was doing that. Mm -hmm. And so people used to think that business-to-business was like cold, harsh, and it wasn't – they didn't think about emotional connection. And – that is, there we're talking to people at the end of the day. So yeah. emotional connection is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So it might not be, you know, talking to a dad about his kids and but talking to that same man, yeah. you know, that same sort of mid forties guy. Mm-hmm. We're talking to him about how he can achieve in his business and how our technology can help him do that. Yes. Um it may we may bring in a bit of the kids aspect. You know, we might go, we, you know, you're stuck under a whole lot of paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you'd rather the time to go spend with your kids, um, mm. but 
in order to for your business to succeed and for you to succeed in business and to be able to pay for your kids' school, yep. you know, you, you need to do all this paperwork. So we're going to give you this fantastic piece of technology which will enable you to free up your time so that you can actually go, um, you know, be, succeed at business and, you know, see your kids to bed before they go, you know, before they go to bed. Brilliant. So... Bringing in, you're talking to people, and that yes. might not b- work for all businesses as well. So you might need to stick to the, you know, professional bit more of a professional side, but you've still got motivations there. So what's motivating these people in their roles, and how can you um, meet the meet those um, meet, meet those motivations? Mm. I, I, I think that's things. such a good point because I've definitely noticed over the last decade or so yeah. that. Business to business marketing has become much warmer and more human. Yeah. I mean, it did, it used to be, and still, you know, for some um, brands, it, it is quite um, cold and mechanical. Um, but I think that's a really, really good point that, that if you're going B2B, you're still dealing with humans. Yeah. It's the humans that are making purchase decisions. Yep. And particularly um, if you're working more towards the, the SME market. Often people running the it's a very small teams running these businesses. It's the sole trader, or it's the it's the mum and uh, husband and wife partnership, or it's a you know just a very small group of directors. Yeah. Um, and it's about, as you say, the emotions. Um, yeah. And we talked about it earlier, saying when we we're talking about startups and small teams, small like entrepreneurs and so forth, is they're generally all driven for with to for a certain purpose, and they found this great product that meets a gap in the market that they're really driven to go and launch to help people to make their lives better and to solve a problem and make their lives better so um if you're talking to those people (laughs) you've got to tap into those drivers yeah um if you're trying to sell them a product um i think the brand that does it i reckon are brilliant i can't imagine them doing this 10, 15 years ago is zero with beautiful business. Who would have ever heard of that, mm. putting those two together? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's a, a brilliant way that the brand has done. But I think the other aspect is that as a business-to-business brand, you've also got to remember that you're attracting people, not just customers, yes. but employees. Yeah. So um, what is it about, you know, how do you bring – If it's people talk a lot about a values-led business, which is what – successful businesses are they're value they're values led it's mm-hmm. groups of people that are drawn together to achieve a, a common goal and generally they have similar motivations and they set have similar values yep um they might not be you know they might complement their values so they might not be exactly the same but mm-hmm. they it's sort of like it's it, with this values led side of the business but in order to develop a, B, a b2b brand if you've got a group of lawyers what brings them together, what unites them, you know, mm. what unifies them. What is it about the, those people that actually will make their business special? Is it so it's about finding that common ground. Exactly. Speaking the same language yep. uh, and the sh- and genuinely sort of shared values. Yep. Very powerful for B2B marketing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and But all of this is, the, again, it goes back to meaning, you know, motivations. Um, you know, how do you actually make it a, a mo- how do you make that emotional connect, connection actually yeah. really have meaning in people's lives? So that's the technical perspective from an experienced brand consultant who's worked in both B2C and B2B. But what do entrepreneurs and senior leaders have to say? How is building a B2B brand different when you're actually inside the company growing the business every day? For this, I spoke to Neil Luo, 
Neil is the head of global growth at $1 billion tech unicorn Airwallex. And before that, he held senior roles at Seek and Hotels.com. Airwallex are a payments platform for SMEs and they're disrupting the world of foreign exchange and international payments. Listen to what Neil has to say on how a B2B business is a bit different and why customer segmentation is so important. How is building a B2B brand different from a consumer brand? And what challenges and opportunities uh, do you think uh, are unique to B2B leadership teams? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. I think, I think the first challenge is how different businesses are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very dangerous to lump businesses as or SMEs. Right, because there's, there's very different challenges. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to kind of segment into different size SMEs. So we kind of see it as kind of you know micro SMEs, which are more like you know one to two people. Your, your traditional SMEs, which is kind of more like one to ten, yep. and then maybe more your mid market SMEs, which is kind of ten to fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of these have very different needs. Um, so one that's that's really really important. Um, and secondly, I think uh, businesses just have a much higher trust threshold versus consumer. So I think with consumer, you find that they're more than more willing to try, try brand straight away and not really need much uh, handholding. Yep. Uh, whereas with businesses, they always want to be able to talk to someone, kind of check, check certain things um, before they try something. So, so that level of trust is, is really important um, to, to kind of break through that B2B space. Oh, I think that's a killer insight. That's, that's a really amazing bit of info you've just shared there that the trust threshold is actually lower for consumers than it is for businesses, um, which is a bit counterintuitive when you think, when you think about it, that, you know, um, businesses have got generally more resources than individuals, individuals have potentially got more to lose if they get you know, ripped off or whatever it might be, have a bad outcome. Um, can you share with us a couple of things that you've done um, with Airwallex to overcome that scepticism and, and help n- nourish that sense of trust with the brand yeah i think i think what key for us is that i think right now especially in the, in the business segment we're playing in which is kind of you know all the way from small to big businesses you can't just have a pure online strategy like you can't just say oh everyone's going to self-serve um, because there's there's bound to be questions so so we've kind of taken this approach where uh we have a mix of online and i guess offline um capabilities um, so we allow businesses to easily book an appointment with someone in our business and have a chat, do a demo of our product. That that works really, really well. Uh, we we emphasize customer support a lot, saying, "Hey, if there's any you have any needs, um, feel free to contact us, whether by email or, or by phone." And you know, businesses they they want that um, they want that reassurance. If they have an issue, they can they can you know talk to someone. Like the the, the funny thing, we've done a lot of customer interviews. And they say, oh, I like to go to the traditional bank because I like to have a branch that I can go into. And we say, well, how often do you go into the branch? They're like, oh, maybe once a year, right? So they don't go that often, but they just want that reassurance. Yeah. Um, so that's really important for us to give, give customers that reassurance. And some, some of them might, you know, contact us a lot and that's totally fine. And some of them may not, but it's very important to give that business the reassurance they need so that if there is an urgency, they can contact you and speak to someone and we can kind of uh, serve them. And one of the biggest differentiators we found when we talk to customers is they say, hey, I don't want to use TransferWise anymore because I don't have customer service. I want to use their wallets. And it's not mm-hmm. that they call us every time, but they just want that reassurance that if there is an issue, they can talk to someone. Yeah. So I think that's a great 
insight into how you guys are running your business. You're really opening up the inbound communication channels. You make it really easy for people to um, talk to you and have a human experience, um, which is fantastic. What are you doing around social proof? So in terms of your online marketing, so, you know, pre-conversion, people are looking at you, they're thinking they might sign up, they might give it a go, but they're not sure, they've heard of the brand a little bit. What are you doing to build your social proof online to, to lower those trust barriers? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a really good point. So, so one is obviously, um, you know, surfacing some of the, the press releases that we have, yep. right, that we're, we're legitimate business. Um, so that's really important. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, money and financial services, people are obviously um, very concerned about, you know, potentially you going bankrupt or going under. So we have a lot of um, kind of, I guess, media quotes on our, on our website showcasing, hey, we're a very well-funded startup. We, we're a high-valued value startup. Um, you can trust us. Um, the second is, is kind of case studies and testimonials. So, you know, having customers um, talk about us, about how they use us, whether that's through a case study whether that's through a review, um, that's really, really important um, to build that. Um, and the third thing we actually find is actually just having a lot of screenshots of how the product works is yep. really important, especially with financial services. They want to see the tangible product. They want to see that. Letting them real. see under the hood, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So even before you sign up, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and that's actually very, very important from a trust perspective as well. What about video? Have you used video much to date uh, to sort of humanize the platform and the, the, the user experience? Not, not as much to date. I think it's something we want to explore. Um, I think it's the production value on, on the video is obviously a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we've actually gone through in the last three months really reskinning our product. So we just thought at this stage, maybe the video is not quite the right time because, you know, we'll have to shoot it again. Um, but we definitely want to go into video uh, a lot more. Um, and then the other thing we're going into a lot more is content. Um, so we're really trying to drive a lot of content around business and just how you grow a business, how you manage a business. Uh, and again, it just kind of provides that kind of credibility that you know the space really, really well and that business can trust you. Continuing on with the tech theme, I also spoke to Dr. Rob Newman the CEO of mapping platform Nearmap. Rob shares some valuable insights into the role trust and certainty play in his brand marketing strategy. Yeah. Look, and I'm going to admit right up front, I'm not a, not a B2C expert. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even in my time in venture capital, I tended to uh, focus on those businesses that were B2B. I had a business partner who was much more B2C. Um, you know, so, but I think in, in, uh, B2B brand marketing, um, it comes back to two themes we talked about before. One was focus. Yep. Uh, and the other one is, is certainty, right? Um, I, look, I think for any brand, um, you know, if you, if you're offering something to a, to a business, their business is going to depend on yours. And particularly if you're solving a key pain point for them, um, you know, and, and as a startup and even as a scale up, they're they're making a decision. Do I keep buying from my existing provider? Who's probably a large multinational that's been safe and, you know, or am I going to risk my job on a, um, 
on something that's new and untested and it looks like it's a whole lot better, but, you know, it, it's a big risk, right? Um, there's a very good book. I know it's old school, but um, Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's a worthwhile read. It tells you the difference between some of those first buyers who are the early adopters and will take all the risks and your mainstream market. And that mainstream market is, is looking for, um, you know, basically how do you take all the risk out of the decision for them? So back to, back to the brand marketing, it does come down to, you know, you've got to have certainty in what you're providing to them for, from a business perspective. And then you have to have that compelling reason to buy. Why are you just so much better? So again, bringing this back to the NIMAP story, it's, you know, hey, you're already spending money on on uh, digital mapping or aerial content. Um, you know, hey, if you sign a subscription with us, we're here. You know, we've been operating for the last twelve years. You know, the service is there. You can test it. It, you know, it, it becomes, and we'll integrate with all your systems. We'll do all the things that need to happen. So we solve the problem for the customer. So they go, well, I'm paying less. I'm getting more, and I know it works. Uh, the risk seems pretty low to me now, right? <laughs> That's a pretty yeah. compelling value proposition. Um, yeah. So if you're an entrepreneur who's weighing several potential business ideas, or maybe you're already operating in the B2B space, but you're thinking about going direct to consumer, you'll be interested in the next question. Is building a B2B brand harder or easier than a consumer brand? I think they both have their challenges. So consumer is um, harder in that a lot of the markets they're like if you think of a supermarket, mm-hmm. it's so hard to break into that because there are already so many competitors in there. And so you've got to identify an insight and solve a problem that nobody else is. Yep. So it's actually very difficult to differentiate. Yep. So in that sense, it's very, it's quite difficult. And also the process of insight generation and so forth has been practiced so well over time that it is quite it can be quite laborious. That's nerdy. So I'll just stop you there. Insight generation. Can we can we hear about that? Yeah. So um, f- finding those insights or those w- what is it that really turns the consumer on? Like what okay. are those core values and what are those yep. what's the the nuggets that we yes, can actually yes. tap into. Um, the emotional drivers. The emotional drivers. Yeah. Got the it. motive. The key motivations yeah. and so mm. forth. That, um, the, then the pain points and the barriers as well. So what are those? Mm. And because that process is, ex, you know, I've been doing that for 25 years, is you get a lot of debate because everybody's now has almost in every consumer-driven organisation, even the, in the big ones, like just about everyone in the whole organisation has gone through the process like training and so forth so they yep. know how to generate it. So you have a lot of points of view. Yep. So in that way, it becomes quite a ch- it's quite challenging from a process perspective as well. So not only right. is it like the competitive environment is really hard to break through because uh, a lot of the points of entry are taken, um, and it's very difficult to differentiate. And um, there's also like a process thing that people everybody knows better. Yeah. <laughs> but then, actually, if I go to the flip side in terms of the B two B. Well, if you're dealing with a service brand in particular, you know, you've got six lawyers in the room or <laughs> um, six engineers who are the, the leaders of the business, mm. then they are very key, they're really key stakeholders. And that's really where I think I learned personally was um, stakeholder engagement, was actually understanding what all of the, you have a lot of very senior stakeholders involved in building the brand. Um, and so stakeholder management for business to business tends to be 
really challenging. So getting all the key stakeholders on the same page, yep. agreeing to the strategy. Yep. And what about in, in sort of linked to that, being brave? So if, you know, the opportunity for the business in a B2B market to stand out and grab more market share means pushing the brand position out to the extreme a little bit in one metric or value or the other. Yep. That can sometimes make people feel uncomfortable. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Is that that's a, that's a challenge to get people on board for that sometimes? Yeah, I think I've been lucky in that sense because I've worked most of the business to business brands I've worked with have had everybody wants to make a big difference. So they yep. actually want to stand out in the market and it's a big because you're working with a lot of personal pride. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, so braveness, yeah, courage, absolutely. But yeah. I think courage is really important for both. Um, and to, when it t- comes to consumer in order to um, break away, you need a lot of courage in terms of creativity and, uh, you know, following different communications methods, doing things differently mm-hmm. um, in order to break through um, to consumers' attention. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, in the B2B environment, you need courage to, to push yourself outside of the blue. Because I find <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of B2B um, market, the, you know, if you look at, take any vertical – um, and you know, digital marketing. You can have a look at the different agencies out there, and they, a lot of them tend to cluster around the middle. Yeah. You know, the websites look the same. Yep. The logos look kind of similar. The values are obviously pretty, pretty similar. And so there's a, that clustering effect. Everyone comes around the middle. It's the same in accountants, lawyers. You, you name it. Yeah. Uh, it's really common, uh, and it, uh, I've noticed that the brands in B two B push it out to the extreme and are brave, have the courage uh, and the conviction to do so, are often the ones that do the best. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Zero definitely did that for an example. But um, I think, you know, you look at in the I, you look in a lot of the professional markets and they're, all I think of is they're grey and dark blue and they still yeah. are very grey yeah. and dark blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you want to cut out from the crowd, then again, this is looking at category codes and the codes might be from a positioning positioning perspective, but they also might be from an identity perspective. Yeah. And I think if you think of the business-to-business environment, typically you think blue and grey. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and it's very different to that now. Mm. And so I think a lot of these entrepreneurs and startups in particular are really breaking away from all Well, they're that. using even from a colour perspective. They're yeah. using a lot of pinks and magentas yeah. and bright colours um, yep. and, you know, that's a, a shorthand way to create a, a visual language that's a little bit different and it makes you stand out. Yeah. Uh, but again, in if it takes courage to do that yep. and I think that's where a lot of people fall down. Yeah. We worked with a, um, a, a construction company in the UK called Curtains Consulting and that, so that's like really – a lot, a really male, a very quite a macho industry. Mm. Oh, really? <laughs> we, yep. The identity we pick. <laughs> pink. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, brilliant! I love so, that. <laughs> that is gutsy. I know. When you were saying that, I was the like, pink actually, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. All right, Rachel. So we've got a, another segment here uh, that we want to uh, introduce to you, and this one is called Nerd Superpower. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Got the response I was after. So, do you know how long I worked on that? Hang on. Nerd super Um, So, uh, you know, you're obviously a branding nerd, right? So, if you had to, you know, sort of nominate one 
talent that you have, one really sort of defined skill around your branding work that you do, uh, what, what would be your branding superpower? Um, I, I actually have the quote on my website because this is where I call, I mean, it is the tipping point. Yep. Um, but what I'm really good at is involving people as I need to, to get to develop the strategy. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually get, when you've built that strategy and you get to that tipping point and they, they're on board with the strategy and then can generate those ideas yep. as to how to implement that. That to me would be what where my sort of I guess my superpower is I guess getting the get bringing the people along the way it is that essentially alignment putting all the pieces in place yep. and then uh, giving people the tools and the um, empowerment to actually go and um, create everything themselves. Awesome, great answer. That's Rachel Bevins again from the Healthy Branding Company. She highlights how in some respects B two B can be easier. But what does a small business owner who operates in both markets have to say on this question? Victoria Costa is the founder and CEO of Credit Fix Solutions. They're a leading name in credit repair and Victoria was a top six finalist in the 2019 Telstra Business Awards. She's a client of our agency at WebBuzz. She's a good friend and she's a real powerhouse of an entrepreneur. In fact, she's also now a published author. Keep an eye out for her book, from zero to CEO. According to Victoria, although the branding for B2B is more work than for B2C, getting the sale is actually easier. So you're really uniquely positioned to share some insights here with our listeners on which is harder for brand building and why. Um, Well, yeah, and I don't think I'm uniquely different. I think I'm just weird and I think I just... When I get into something, I'm like, what else can I do now? I've done that. So, yeah, you're right. I've oddly enough got, you know, B2B and B2C um, as well as other things going on as well. It's a little bit ridiculous. But um, B2B, I think with 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 the B2B side, um, it would be your time um, would be the most difficult thing because, look, networking isn't easy, um, I have to admit, I you know, um, I'll, I'll, you know, show up and get dressed and do my hair and put that smile on my face. But to actually engage with people is, it can be quite tiring. As you know, we've been to many events with hundreds of people, mm-hmm. um, and to do that every day of the week and to keep doing it and keep connecting and keep networking, um, that, that, that is hard because you're looking at a long-term investment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, in fact, some lady came up to me at an event about a year ago and she goes, I don't know how you do this. It all takes too long. You know, why don't you just go and do more Google ads? You know, who could be bothered? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's so that 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 is hard. Um, but then again, the flip side of that is that the sale is a lot easier. So, you know, jumping into B2C, for example, your sales are a lot harder, okay. you know, because you've got you got cold inquiries, you got no trust whatsoever. Um, so you're really working your butt off to convert that lead to an opportunity mm-hmm. um, and into a client. Um, B2C can be cheaper, you know, if as well. So B2B can be quite expensive. Yep. Um, you know, petrol, going to events, flights, accommodation, all the rest of it, that has cost me like a lot of money. I don't even know 
how much I'd have to ask my accountant. So, so B to C is, is easier in that sense, because it's not as expensive to get out there, to get on page one. Uh, it's it, to do YouTube videos. Well, that's free, you know, and then pop them on your YouTube channel um, to use LinkedIn, Facebook. Well, that's free unless you want to go and do some ads and that's great. Um, but a lot more free available platforms for a small business to start um, B to C. Um, I think, and, and faster, right? So B2B is hard because it takes so long. Whereas yep. B2C, you can go, here's my messaging wax, or it's all out there. But is it fair to say that certainly in your business, uh, putting in the hard yards, building that B2B network, yeah. does that, has that given you more scale? Has it given you more, yep. more consistency? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, if your vision is long term, um, you know, networking and building those relationships is the way to go yep. uh, because, you know, people just love you. And then once a year, just throw a really fabulous Christmas party and, and do a dance in a Santa suit and everyone's your mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. It works. It definitely works. I'm not sure that I'm quite ready to put on the, the Santa suit yet. I, but. I reckon you'd be great in one. We'll get you doing one for this year. <laughs> okay. All right. There's the challenge. I'm, I'm down for yeah. the Santa suit. So the problem we set out to solve in this episode was B2B branding. How is it different? And what can you do to be number one in your market? Our branding expert, Rachel, from the Healthy Branding Company, shared a technical perspective on how B2B branding is different from B2C. And we've also heard some fascinating real-life stories from our entrepreneur guests, Neil Luo from Airwallets, Rob Newman from Nearmap, and Victoria Costa from Credit Fix Solutions. I hope their wisdom and insights have given you ideas to crack the code to growth in your own venture. For me, however, there are three important conclusions that we can all draw from this episode. Firstly, you need to segment your customers. As Neil said, the B2B market is actually comprised of several discrete segments who each require a slightly different approach. If you work in B2B, it's important you segment your database and tailor your messaging for each group. Secondly, your branding should strive to be human at all times. As Rachel said, it works best when you don't focus on your product or service but rather on how the use of that product or service affects your customer's life in a personal way. That was a really key insight. And finally, put in the work and persevere. As Victoria said, she spent a huge amount of time and money on networking events over the years, but ultimately it's paid off with a large and engaged network of distribution partners who refer her business on a daily basis. Although all the core branding principles still apply, it is true that B2B marketing is a bit different. This is both an opportunity and a threat for business owners. As we heard from Neil at Airwallets, the trust barrier for SMEs is actually higher than for consumers. So consistency and social proof are especially important. But if you can get this right and humanize the brand for the real people who ultimately make the buying decision, it might lay just the foundations you need to become number one in your market. We're coming to the end, but before we go, it's time for our regular segment, Nerd Under Pressure, where a guest has to share one killer hack or tip they recommend for you, our listeners. Let's find out who our Nerd Under Pressure is today. Okay, so Neil, we now turn to a regular segment of ours called... 
Nerd under pressure. <laughs> It always gets a chuckle. Uh, so Nerd Under Pressure is where we put uh, our guest nerd under a bit of pressure. We ask you for one killer hack that you can recommend to our listeners on a particular topic. Um, and today, Neil, uh, we're asking for a killer hack, one killer tip that you can recommend to entrepreneurs on B2B branding. And your time starts now. Uh. Yeah, so I think I think I, my killer hack would be for you know if you're B2B kind of branding, um, go through LinkedIn. Obviously, there's a lot of businesses there, but specifically, I'd say don't offer your product straight away mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. Um, say that you've got a great product, and that if people are interested, they should comment on, on your post, yep. like interested or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and then you send them the link uh, through a personal message. Um, and the reason you do that is when you put a comment on 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 a post, it goes to the viral loop. Yes. Um, it really creates a viral loop. You get a lot more awareness. It gets posted through all their network. Anyone that comments on it, it'll get posted through their network. Um, and we've able to drive a lot of leads and engagements uh, that way through LinkedIn. That is a fantastic hack. That's seriously, that for anyone working in the B2B space, that's killer. And um, we'll be sure to promote that very heavily. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. So thanks for listening to episode eight of Nerds of Business. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps us climb up the ranks and become more visible to other people just like you. We want to help as many entrepreneurs and businesses as possible. If you've got a question or some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can engage with us at webbuzz.com.au forward slash nerds. That's webbuzz.com.au forward slash nerds. So feel free to reach out and say hello. I want to thank all of our guests and the team at WebBuzz for helping me put this show together. We'll be back in two weeks with the last episode for this series, which is on brand damage. Until then, I'm your host, Darren Moffat, and I look forward to nerding out with you next time. Bye for now. (laughs) 